welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 49. Brains. Brains. Hey, everybody. Welcome. What do you think of the new house? We're sitting here in the new game room. Yep, I have finally finished moving into the new house. Well, I have finally moved into the new house. I have not finished unpacking and getting everything set up and all that. Most of the games are now in my game room. Um, lots of books are still in boxes and things like that. It's just, it's going on forever, you know. Been working on buying a fence, installing cable, and all these different things. It just takes forever. I had no idea how much work it would be. But anyway, here we are. It's been you know, almost, I think, four weeks since the last show. Um, I should have been taking more notes than I have, but, you know, so be it. Still, I've got a few things to mention. First up, the Lord of the Rings expansion, The Morgul Vale, is available. This is the final chapter of Against the Shadow. You know, the episode 48, I had news about the chapter before this being available, and, the, and then like a week, or maybe two weeks later, the next chapter was released. So they were back-to-back. Also from Fantasy Flight, Eldritch Horror is now available. I haven't seen it yet, but this is... No, I don't know what to call it. I get I get the feeling it's basically the... An improved Arkham Horror where they've gone and they've taken everything people like about Arkham Horror and probably made it better. It, you know, and this is my opinion without actually knowing anything else about the game other than it is themed in uh, the same universe and some of the similar mechanics. I bet this game will have many expansions to come too, just like Arkham Horror. I hope they keep working on Arkham Horror and releasing stuff for it, at least reprinting stuff for it, because... I've still yet to get a couple expansions I've always really wanted to have. Anyway, next up, there is now, I think I mentioned it before, but there is now available on the BGG market, uh, Folding Mazes by Friedman Freeze. There's a set of, I think, eight mazes or so for about $15. And these are pretty neat looking because it's a double-sided paper with maze on both sides, but to complete the maze, you actually have to fold the paper one way or the other along a crease, and... And basically jump from one sheet to the other while you're working on the maze. Sounds like a really, it sounds like a really neat concept and sounds like it could be really hard. Not really new so much as whining here. The game SOS Titanic was on Kickstarter. It came and it went and I totally missed it. And you could apparently go and order it directly from the publisher's website. And I think I may have missed the opportunity for that too. I'm not sure. Either way, the game will be in the U.S. probably in a couple months or so. And my final piece of news is uh, White Dog Games has released Vietnam Solitaire Special Edition. The original design was by uh, David Kershaw, and the special edition design and art is by Steve Kling. If you remember a few episodes back when I talked to Chris Hansen, we talked about this game briefly. It's a it's a neat looking game. You know, I gotta admit I'm not a big fan of Vietnam and modern war, but it sure does look neat. Okay, up next is the print and play contest. You know, again, with my move going on, I was so busy and distracted that I totally missed the the end of the contest. I just went and checked the other day, and, you know, the results are out. You may already know about this. I didn't. So let me go through and tell you what games won. This is straight off the print and play contest uh, thread on BGG. So go check it out for yourself. But for the... Best grayscale printed game for second place was Deck Delver by Alexander Grenier. 
First place was Colony 9, but Santiago Exemino. Um, the game with the best written rules, three second place entries. Tombs, The Sword of Valhalla by 8Rad. Maquis by Jake Staines. Irish Freedom by David Kershaw. And for first place, Journey in the Underworld by Todd Sanders. Um, who is the best new designer? Second place, the Lord Malachi for Galactic, Galactidice BSG and the Mean Streets of Chicago. And first place, Morden Monrad Pedersen for Endless Nightmare. Okay, which is the best large game? Second place is Cinevilization. Try that again. Cinevilization. Cinevilization. <laughs> there we go. Okay. This is my last try. For second place is Cinev... <laughs> okay. Cinevilization by Andrew Hagen. And first place is Dystopian, The Manhunt by Michelle Esmanek. Which is the best medium-sized game? Uh, again, a few second place entries. Journey in the Underworld by Todd Sanders. Irish Freedom, F- Freedom by David Kershaw. Calling Nine by Santiago Exemino. And for first place, Deck Delver by Alexander Grenier. You'll notice a few games are being mentioned more than once. These are definitely games to go check out. Which is the best small game? For second place, K-Day Kaiju War by Zombie Homer. And first place, Maki by Jake Steins. Which game is the best traditional card, tarot, or deck tech game? Second place, Desperate Vegas Magician by Zachary Huff. First place, Zombie Solitaire by Joseph Propati. What's the best no assembly required game? Couple second place, The Harbinger Project by Jack Bennett, and Endless Nightmare by Morton Monrad Pedersen. First place is Tombs, The Sword of Valhalla by 8Rad. Which is the best deck pool building mechanic? Second place is Deck Delver by Alexander Grenier, and first place is Calling Nine by Santiago Exemino. Okay, which game has the best hand resource management mechanic? Second place, Journey in the Underworld by Todd Sanders. First place, Maquis by Jake Staines. What is the best war game? Second place, K-Day Kaiju War by Zombie Homer. And first place, Irish Freedom by David Kershaw. What is the best risk management or push your luck mechanic? A couple second place entries. The Harbinger Project again by Jake Bennett, Jack Bennett, I'm sorry, and Deck Delver by Alexander Grenier. And first place, A Knight in Deep Wall Manor by Javier Martin. Uh, which is the best thematic game, like sci-fi, horror, fantasy, etc., etc., etc.? Second place is Maquis by Jake Staines, and first is Dystopian, The Manhunt by Michelle Esmanech. And who has the best artwork? Second place is Journey in the Underworld by Todd Sanders, and first is Maquis by Jake Staines. Which game is the best overall game? Ta-da! Third place, Deck Delver by Alexander Grenier. Second place, Irish Freedom by David Kershaw. And first place, Maquis by Jake Staines. So, you know, many of these games and designers I mentioned more than once for first and second place in different categories. I think these are all games to go check out and and print and play and have fun. So, again, thanks Chris Hansen for hosting the contest and thank you everybody for all the entries and opportunities to play more games i look forward to next year's contest again okay next up 
I think I mentioned last time that my server cost went up a little bit because of the bandwidth, so I have gone ahead and added a, a donate button for anybody that's so inclined. It's on the website. Um, obviously, totally optional, all that, but there it is. So we're in December. That means November's over. So let's check out how uh, Solitaire Gaming, you know. So let's check out what was hot for Solitaire Gaming last month. Now before I do that, let me mention: go check out the Solitaire Gaming on your table spreadsheet. There is a link to it on the One Player Guild, and there's also links to it on the Solitaire Games on your table geek list. It's a lot of interesting information. You can see what games are hot for yourself and all that. Um, and just see a lot of interesting games there. So again, same as last time, I am only counting how many times a game was listed as a geek list item, not how many times a person mentioned they played it in a single thread, or in a single entry. So the total number of games for November was 186, and that's about 110 distinct games, which is, you know, more or less steady and... September we had 147 total, and then in October 219, so now we're somewhere in the middle of that. And unique games, you know, we had 107, then 130, and now about 110. So again, it's all pretty consistent. 35 games were played more than once. One game that I thought was interesting that was played last month is Solitaire for Two. <laughs> I should go back and read the thread, but that just sounds interesting and out of place and so appropriate. Let me see, what's been played a lot? I'm just going to mention a few of them. With five entries are Field Commander Napoleon and B-17 Queen of the Skies and Onirum. There's some really uh, interesting session reports for B-17 Queen of the Skies. Go check those out. Second place with uh, seven plays last month is Navajo Wars. That's brand new on the list. The game just came out and it's getting played a lot, so it's definitely very hot right now. I've been wanting to play that and actually talk about it in my next episode. I'm going to still go for that go, but let me tell you, with uh, the moving stuff still going on, it's hard to play big games right now. Uh, but I really am excited about that one. And number one for November with eight plays, ten of you count the expansion, is Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. That's three months in a row. Uh, its big lead is not as big as it was before, but still doing pretty well. Um, Alright, so that's that, and let's go jump into this month's game. So today's game, as I said, is Dawn of the Zeds by Herman Lutman. This is a victory points game, it's a solitaire game, and it's a states of siege game. So now what I've been playing is the Gold Banner edition, the newer version. I don't have the older versions, I can't really compare them or comment on that one. Other than I do know that this one has more ways to play than the old version, more scenarios. So in this game, you're playing a character in a small town when a, a zombie apocalypse is going on. Maybe it's not a whole apocalypse. I guess it isn't, because potentially in the end, uh, you could defeat the zombies. But there's a, zombies are attacking, and you're defending the town, and they're slowly encroaching upon you via different uh, routes, the forest road or hiking trail or highway or suburbs. They could be coming through suburbs or through tunnels. Um, so this is a States of Siege game, so generally in these kinds of games, the zombies are moving towards the center little by little along different tracks, and your job is to basically just defend them stagnantly and keep them from getting there. Uh, it's a little different in that you actually do have pieces that can move back and forth around in the map. 
like a typical states of siege game you have a deck of cards and the cards in this game are used for the events and action points which is also typical for a states of siege game so this game brings it well it's first of all it's a big box it's a bookshelf size game you know roughly eight and a half by eleven size box and what's inside is well it's a lot you get a sheet of counters a couple decks of cards rule book a couple little dice and the map and if you get the box edition you'll get the mounted map and the paper map which is really nice the both maps are double-sided there is a standard side i guess side b which has the introductory scenario as well as the classic scenario from the older edition and then side a also now has an underground track tunnels and that's basically just part of the new edition there's also a couple of player aids and that sort of thing in here See, there's a lot I could say about this game, starting with the... Well, the cards are nice. I mean, they're, they're decent stock, and I think I've mentioned it before for some of the other Victory Point games. The cards are nice and thick. I do, however, find that even though they are thick, they're not a high-quality card stock in that I think they'll bend easy if you're not careful with them. So I ended up sleeving mine, and now they work great. They're easy to shuffle, and I don't have to worry about the bending problem as much because it's easier to shuffle them for me. The other thing worth mentioning is the counters. They are really cool. The Using the laser cutting technique they have now, they could cut all sorts of shape counters. There's a triangle counters, circular counters, um, circular counters with a bite taken out of it. That looks really neat. The, the zombie counters have a little bite taken out of it. There's a starburst counter. There's counters used to make a barricade that are, that are going to stand up. There is a, a skull counter. For the current infection level, you know, it's shaped like a hole, uh, shaped like a skull with the eyes cut out and everything. Really neat, and the colors are really bright. Also, that's another thing with mentioning the counters. The zombie counters are lime green, and all the hero counters. You know, you could kind of see some of the details of the character that you're looking down on them. You know, the the counters, the zombie counters are lime green. It's not a very festive looking lime green. It's it goes along. I think it's sort of toxic green. But yeah, the counters totally impressive and thick. The, the laser cut counters are very thick, which is also very nice. And finally, the rule book is a 32-page. Well, not finally, but this is a 32-page rule book, and it's a large size rule book. It's not a little tiny, small booklet thing with just lots of short pages. Uh, it's full color. The pages, it's all very thematically designed. The pages all look like somebody was writing on a yellow notepad. There's blood stains on different pages and that sort of thing throughout um some people find it a little bit hard to read because of that background it hasn't bothered me it, it is a little bit hard to read maybe but it looks so cool i think it, it totally could get beyond any difficulty and i never found it troublesome the map is is nice it's it's functional it looks good also i think i read that some people like the old map better for some reason i don't know why um as i played i didn't have any trouble with this map the only drawback might be that I guess the older map wouldn't have the underground path, so you couldn't play the newer scenarios with it. But it's a nice map. There's, you know, the puzzle cut. If it's the the board is puzzle cut, so it's three pieces you put it together, and the paper map is just regular folding heavy cardstock. I did find that with the mounted map, I hadn't noticed this issue before with other games, but I found that it didn't lay flat. On side B, it was sort of warped. And sliding counters around didn't work very well when you got to the edges of the where the two puzzle pieces meet. Not a big deal, but I ended up using the paper map instead because of that. 
And, you know, it was totally fine. I'm glad I had both options. When I went to play side A, that one didn't have the issue. It also had played on the board instead of the paper map. So what could I say about this game? It is, it's neat and it's dark. If you like zombie games, I think this is a good one. Um, in terms of states of siege games, it is more complex than your typical one. Much more complex. And there's a lot more options and probably a lot more ways to play, especially if you play the, the new scenarios from the new edition. They're called the Walking Zed scenario. And there's a, a short, medium, and long version of it. And basically, the length is controlled by how many cards you use. So let me tell you just a little bit about the gameplay. I've talked about States of Siege games before. I'm going to assume you more or less know how they work. As I said, the enemies are moving on the track from the outer spaces to the center to the town. If they get to the center, then you lose the game. The way they turn each each turn you draw a card, and it's going to have different things that happen. These cards have more information than your typical States of Siege card. But one of the things it has is the the track the mo- the zombie movement section. Will tell you which tracks the zombies move on each turn, and they basically advance once for each time that the symbol appears on the card. Most of the time, it just appears once. You uh, now the way you fight the zombies in this game is you have units on the board. You actually have counters for civilians and heroes, the, and they all have stats that they can fight with. So basically, uh, civ- oh, any of your player characters can. Um, Shoot a zombie if it's one space away. Some can shoot a little farther. Or if the zombie enters the space where the your character's at. Or if your your person enters the space where the zombie's at, then they fight hand-to-hand. It's basically uh, looking up on charts for the combat, both for the ranged and hand-to-hand. Different types of charts. So it's very typical wargamey type combat. Combat tends not to favor the hero. Now here's the thing. You have ammo that you got to find. And supplies, and each turn, each time you're gonna shoot, you gotta use up your ammo. And you don't have much to begin with. If you're lucky, you might start with eight or so. If you're really lucky. And, so it's basically gonna last you for eight shots, which is not very much in this game. So, when, so you need to go foraging in the game, which is one of the actions you could take with your action points. And when you forage, you may find bullets, or you may find supplies. Supplies are just general supplies like food and medical supplies and maybe gasoline, things you would need just to survive for a week-long zombie horde attack. Twinkies, board games, whatever. Maybe soda? Coffee? Anyway, I digress. So in this game, your your currency is basically the supplies and the ammo, and then the action points which allow you to do stuff. Each turn you're going to get a different number of action points, anywhere between 1 and 4 max. The action points could be used to move your characters, to fight by shooting um you could heal and you could do a few other things which i won't get into the details of them oh well one i did already mention is the foraging and looking for supplies or ammo now i mentioned you have civilian units and you have hero units the game brings about 10 different hero units and they each have different completely different special abilities um for example there's mayor hernandez which is now the second hernandez i know in a board game counter his ability is, he's got a few abilities. Once in the game, he could give a speech, and every civilian in the town center space will get a free action, on top of all the normal actions you get for the turn. Um, if anybody goes foraging in the town center space and he's there, he gives a plus one to the person, and I think he has another ability. Um, there's a dog. His ability is he can move fast. Uh, yeah, and he could forage. 
but he cannot fight zombies at all. And zombies ignore him, so he could be good to run around and doing stuff for you. Um, there's some that are really good at fighting hand to hand or distance. There's one guy that has a truck, and all he does is go from the outer start spaces on the tracks to the town center and bring supplies, and then gets on his truck and goes back out. I just keep going back and forth, moving him a lot. So again, you have all these different heroes, and you're not going to play with them all each time, and they're going to act differently. So depending which heroes you have, the game's going to feel very different. But I told you a little about the way the game works. Each turn, you're going to flip over the card. It's going to tell you, tell you stuff that happens, like some of the counters have to move on the board, the zombies move on the board. You may be told you have to use supplies. The infection level may go up. Well, no, the infection level may not go up. But if the inf- there'll be a, a space that says if the infection level is above a certain number, then, then an infection happens. And what you do at that point is you draw a card from a different deck called a fate deck. It's going to tell you where to add zombies. And it's also going to have some other event that happens on there. Some of them are good, some are bad. It just depends. From what I've seen, most seem to be good. But you're going to have that card. There's going to be more zombies now because of the infection. And then you're going to keep playing through your, your event deck. You may be forced to consume supplies. And then there is an event text at the bottom of the card. And it's going to happen in a different part of the event card. As I said, there's like five things that happen in the event card. And the text on the bottom could apply to any one of those five. It just depends. And at the and the last thing you're going to get from this card is the actions, the number of actions you get to do that turn. So your game is basically each turn flip over a card, move the counters, potentially have a, a breakout, that sort of thing, consume some supplies, move some zombies, and then take your actions. In the typical states of the Siege game, there's always more you want to do than you can do each turn. Your actions are all so limited and always it's like, oh, if I only had one or two more, I could, I could do so much better in this. I could definitely do these things. And that, that tension is fun in this game. And it's fun in all states of Siege games. Now, sometimes it's frustrating, but it, you know, it could be that fun kind of frustrating. As I said, there's a lot to this game. There's a lot of different types of, you got all civilians, you got a lot of different types of heroes. You got a lot of different places where you could spend your actions. Um, you're moving back and forth on the different tracks to fight people, and you got different uh, different civilians, for example, have different strengths. Some are better than others, and some of the zombies are tougher than others. So you want to sometimes move people around somewhat. You want to forage. Um, foraging in different places will get you different things, so sometimes you got choices about where you want to forage. Some characters are better at foraging than others. There is a scientist that could do research on a research track and potentially discover the cure for the zombie outbreak there is a bad guy a mad scientist that creates zombies and he might come out and start creating super zombies that are just tough to fight there's a tunnel track the tunnel track is interesting zombies come through there if you go into the tunnels you might get lost there's all you know there's all the events that come out and they affect the way you play you know generally the game is really fun i really enjoyed playing the game you know i couldn't stress enough how much variety there is in this state of siege compared to some of the others it It is definitely a much more complex, much more involved game. Really, the only drawback I had with this is the duration. The box says 45 to 90 minutes. I ha- I don't think I've played a game under two hours. And, you know, I don't think I spent half an hour reading rules or an hour reading rules. So I don't think it will get a lot shorter. At least using the uh, the new scenarios, those I think would be hard to finish in an hour and a half. You might be able to do it, but definitely not less than that, you know. I've only played the short scenario in, in of those, and that was two hours. I can't imagine playing the long one where you, I think you probably use all or most of the cards. 
The game has an introductory scenario walkthrough, and it has a walkthrough play aid, and it kind of walks you through the first game quickly so you don't have to read all the rules. I did that for my first game. Honestly, I didn't find it that with that I was able to walk through without the rule. I ended up referring to the rule book a lot, and I found myself really confused. I think personally I would have been better off just having read the rule book first, and then maybe done the walkthrough. I like that scenario because it's short and simple, so it did play a little quicker. It has fewer cards and has fewer complexity, so if you're in the mood for a shorter game, that's a great one. The classic scenario is a little more complicated, a bit longer, and then finally the uh, the new scenarios I think are all longer, and all definitely much more complicated. So that's another great thing about this game is that there's a lot more variety in how you get to play it. You can play something shorter or something longer and more complicated depending on what you're in the mood for. So you get a lot of game in this box, which is really nice. And I think I've played five or six plays of it so far, and they've all been pretty different, especially when you play the full game. There's more heroes to choose from. When you start the game, you, you get to pick one hero and then draw three random. So you'll have four at the beginning. As the game goes along, you might find more heroes because of events and that sort of thing. Or you may not. But, you know, which heroes you're playing with change how the game works and what you do. So though the game is going to be, you know, relatively similar each time fighting zombies, it's going to get more complicated. Or it, it could be very different depending on who you're playing with each time. I also found that in this game... You have to be very careful. You have to. There's a lot of little things to keep track of, and you have to make sure you follow all the steps and don't miss stuff. In one of the games I played, um, you know, I mentioned the infection level. Each time you have combat, the infection level goes up, and on the cards you check the infection level versus what the card has, and maybe you have a new object with more zombies. If you aren't moving that track correctly, what happened in my example is the infection level got kind of low, and I killed all the zombies and. Because the infection level was still low, it never, no more zombies ever came out. And about a third of the game, I was drawing cards and with nothing really to do because there's just no zombies to kill. Obviously, I had done something wrong. That shouldn't happen in the game. I did realize later on that uh, some of the stuff that can happen can raise the infection rate. Like as the zombies are moving on the tracks, there's villages near the near your town, and if the zombie reaches the villages, there's there's a civilians there, villagers, they panic and turn into refugees and start running to the center of town. When they reach the center of town, the the infection rate goes up again. I didn't do that when I played that game. So this is a, a game where you really have to be very careful and make sure you, you do all these little steps. They're not hard and if you look at the uh if you look at the player aid and the player chart, it's all in there. You just gotta make sure to remember to do it. So all in all I say this is a really good game. It's a it's a fun game, it's a big game. The games are generally going to, probably, I guess you could get a game in 45 minutes, but I think if you start playing the full game, it's definitely going to take longer, uh, an hour and a half at least. I don't think I would enjoy the long version of the game. It'll just, it might feel that's going on and on forever for me. The The shortest one was nice, and I didn't feel like uh, I, I didn't have enough time to do everything I wanted to try and that sort of thing. So here you go, that's Dawn of the Zeds, published by Victory Point Games, by Herman Lutman. Until next time, hopefully that'll be again before the end of the year, and it'll be episode number 50. Woohoo! Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek list on BoardGameGeek, or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek for comments and discussion and whatnot. 
The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening.